let me ask you a hypothetical question. Suppose someone were to ask you, so what is Bach's mass in B minor? And you answer the question by saying, well, it is a piece of music. Well, true, but, you know, to, to simply call it a piece of music really doesn't capture it, does it? Because it's so much more than that. It is the most stunning and life-changing work of art. It is the pinnacle of cultural achievement. It is the most magnificent product of a genius mind. And so to call it simply a piece of music is, you know, it's technically right. And yet you could be technically right and be so wrong. Now suppose someone asks you now, what is the church? And then you answer, the church is a fellowship of like-minded believers. You know, that answer also is technically true, and yet it also manages to miss the point. And this morning, Lord willing, our aim is to see the glory of the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to see, and that is what Paul shows us this morning. And the first thing that Paul tells us here is that we, as the members of the church, we are kingdom citizens. We are kingdom citizens. Now in verses 11 and 12, uh, we, we saw how Paul, he showed us how the sinners are alienated from God because of their sins. And the Gentile sinners were also alienated from the Jewish people. Sin alienates. Sin puts a separation between the holy God and the sinner. And sin also alienates us from one another. And so the key concept that we wrestled with in verses 11 and 12 is how Paul expressed the reality by saying, at one time, at that time, you are separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise. So in verses 11 and 12, Paul painted the reality with the description, at one time, at that time, you were separated from Christ. But then in verses 13 through 18, Paul told us how the peace of Christ has so radically and completely changed the believer's reality so that what was once true is no longer the case. So in verses 13 through 18, the way that Paul puts uh, our new reality is with these words, but now in Christ Jesus. You see a movement there. At one time, at that time, you were alienated. But starting with verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, Paul says, we both, Jew and the Gentile, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And that brings us to the third logical section of this passage. Verses 19 and 22, 19 through 22, Paul tells us the, the profound and amazing consequences 
of what Jesus has done to bring us peace, peace with God and with one another. And Paul tells us three things that are the consequences of Jesus' peacemaking work. We, the believers, we, one, we are the citizens of God's kingdom. Two, we are the children in his household. And three, we are the living stones in his temple. Believers, we are the citizens of God's kingdom. We are the children in his household. And we are the living stones in his temple. These realities all answer this simple question. What happens to us when we believe in Jesus Christ? Now, if you remember back to verse 12, there Paul told us that the Gentiles were once strangers to the covenants of promise. But we have to remember, don't we, that the Jewish people, now it is true that the Jewish people had the privilege of the ministry of the covenants. They had the blessings of living with the promises of the covenant. But their mere births as ethnic Jews did not guarantee that they were the citizens of God's kingdom. Because both the Jew and the Gentile alike become the citizens of God's kingdom through faith in Jesus, who Paul told us in verse 17, came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. And from that, these consequences follow. Look at verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Now the first century Ephesians were very familiar with these words, the words strangers, aliens, and citizens. Because you see, Ephesus was uh, being a metropolis of the Roman Empire with great commerce, with many tourists uh, coming to visit the great temple of Artemis with this thriving economy. Ephesus was no stranger to many foreigners passing through. And these people were called strangers. Uh, they are not really part of Ephesus. They're passing through. They're foreigners, people who had no guaranteed civil rights or privileges of being a part of the people of Ephesus. Then there were the aliens, or better, resident aliens. These were people who were born in Ephesus, and their families may have been in Ephesus for generations, and yet they were not citizens. You see, um, for us, you know, if you're born in a country, you are automatically a citizen of that country. That's not how it worked in the ancient world. In the ancient world, citizenship was a privilege reserved for the very few who are also very wealthy, very important, or some, in some way very special, very connected and very important people. And so we have written records from about 100 years after Paul's writing of this letter. And in that written record, it says that a very wealthy man threw a party that lasted 11 days 
for the 1,040 citizens of Ephesus. So think about what that means. In this great city of tens of thousands of people, there were little over 1,000 citizens of the city. And what's so fascinating about what Paul is saying is this. The church at Ephesus, as we will find out in chapter 6, included slaves. In fact, probably the reason why Paul addresses them specifically in chapter 6 means that a significant part of the church at Ephesus were made up of slaves. But what Paul says to them is this, that everyone who believes in Christ receives a privileged standing and protection in God's kingdom. What happens to the believers when they believe in Jesus Christ? We become the citizens of God's kingdom. Secondly, we the believers, we are household members. Household members. So verse 19, Paul continues, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, being a citizen of a kingdom is one thing. Being the king's children is another thing altogether. Now think about it this way. You know, if you ever watch TV coverage of the British monarchs, um, you know how Queen Elizabeth used to drive around in a motorcade. I guess it's King Charles now. You know how the motorcade goes by and the British citizens are standing on the side uh, on the streets and waving. And these uh, citizens, they have to stand outside the palace gates and look in from a distance. Now what if you're the king's family? You're in the car with the king. If you're the king's family, you're sitting at the same table with the king. And that's how Paul is escalating for us the privileges of being in Christ. It's as, as, uh, as if Paul is saying to us, so you think that citizenship in God's kingdom is great? You think that being a citizen in God's kingdom is amazing? Well, it is. But wait till you hear this. You're not just citizens of God's kingdom. You are actually the children of the king. And what king he is. You know, the first century Ephesians were all too familiar with the kings that come and go. Ephesus at this time served the Roman Caesar as part of the Roman Empire. But before the Roman Caesars, you know, there was Alexander of Macedonia, Alexander the Great. But before Alexander were the Persians. And before the Persians, there were the Babylonians. And before the Babylonians, there were the Assyrians. All these superpowers, powerful kings. But where are these kingdoms? And where are their kings now? gone and buried. You know, each of these kingdoms, each of these kings, they all claim to be the greatest and the most powerful kingdom on earth. And for a brief moment, they may have been. But where are they now? 
gone, buried, replaced, forgotten. But what Paul says is that you, you are the children of the eternal king who rules over a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And notice also, Paul continues, that you are the members of the household of God. So can I put it to you this way? Coming to Jesus means coming home. And coming to Jesus means coming home to your family. You know, that is why the Christian faith is more than simply my personal relationship with Jesus. You know, today, even the church is reduced down to a fellowship of like-minded people. All these things are true, and yet they miss the point, don't they? If you understand your Christian faith only or mainly in terms of your personal relationship with Jesus, and if you understand the church of Jesus Christ merely as a group of like-minded people who gather as as it were some sort of a spiritual support group, as true as that may be, we are still managing to miss the point. Because what Paul is telling us is that the church is God's household. We are each other's brothers and sisters. When you become a believer, you come home to Jesus. And when you come home to Jesus, you are brought inside and into the household of God. And in this church of God, we are not all alike. And we are not all like-minded. And thanks be to God for that. But in this household of God, we belong together. And we stay together. You are household members. The household of God. And thirdly and finally, you are temple stones. Temple stones. I think it's already very clear when Paul describes our identity as kingdom citizens. We are part of a kingdom, a corporate body. And when Paul... describes our identity as members of a household, Paul has in mind, do you see, that our faith and our privileges and our blessings do not get exhausted at an individual level, as if all there is to say about the Christian blessing is you and Jesus, your personal relationship with Jesus. But your identity, your blessings are tied into the greater community of the kingdom of the household. And Paul makes that even more clear in verses 20 and 21 when he says that you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. 
Now, in the practice of building uh, making, uh, the cornerstone was a large stone at the corner, placed at the corner at the, of a building foundation. Uh, it served as a reference point for the rest of the building. So that's the point from which we, where you make measurements. It's the point with, uh, in respect to which you set your correct angles and dimensions. The cornerstone is vital. It's central to the task of building. And the cornerstone also is the point where two perpendicular walls come together and are joined. And so what Paul is saying is that the Jewish believers and the Gentile believers, as it were, they are the two walls brought together in Christ and upon Christ in order to be formed into one temple. And that tells us something really important. There is now no going back to the way things were under Moses. Under Moses, God instructed his people to be separate from the Gentiles. And under Moses, God's covenant promises were contained in one ethnic people. And the reason at its heart was missiological. In other words, the reason why God separated his people out of all the peoples of the world was for the purpose of his kingdom expansion. Or let me put it to you this way. How can God's people go into the world with the good news of God's kingdom if they are part of the world? In order to be sent into the world, you have to be not of the world. In order to bring the message of hope and grace, you have to be distinct and separate from the world. And that's really the the missiological reason, the reason why God separated his people, that they may be a distinct, holy, set-apart people, set-apart to God and set-apart from the world with the hope of salvation for the Gentiles. Now that, due to the hardness of the Jewish people, was terribly corrupted. But now in Jesus Christ, the Gentiles and the Jewish believers are made one. They become part of one dwelling place for God. And this is something that we often neglect or we often forget. Um, in 1 Corinthians 6.19, for example, Paul says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. And there he means that each and individual believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in them. And to the extent that believers think about the indwelling spirit, I think it very often begins and ends there, each believer being the temple of the Holy Spirit. But the New Testament actually has a lot more to say about that. For example, in 1 Peter 2.5, Peter says, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house 
So what Peter says is that you, together, as a corporate body, you are jointly and together being built up into the one temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is true. Each and every believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit. But also, the corporate body of the believers. We are jointly and together the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that is what Paul is saying here too. The Spirit of God forms the Jewish and the Gentile believers together with the saints of every generation into God's one temple as his dwelling place. In Christ, having peace with God and with the saints, we grow together into one temple. In Christ, in peace with God and the saints, we serve together as God's dwelling place. You know, that is why it is so inadequate when our view of the Christian life begins and ends with my personal relationship with Jesus. And it is so inadequate when we think about the church purely in terms of a gathering of like-minded people. You know, you know what that has done? Subtly, it has shifted the focus of the church existing for the glory of God. And it has shifted the focus to the church being a support group for one another. But our identity and our blessings are not just individual as believers. It is bound to the corporate body. You are not just individually the temples of the Holy Spirit. We are together, each believer, as Peter's picture shows us. We are individually the the bricks, the individual stones that make up the, the temple structure. And the church... The church is God's dwelling place because of its relationship to the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. So Paul says here that this temple is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles were the eyewitnesses of Jesus' ministry and his resurrection. And the prophets here may be taken in one of two senses. They may be the prophets of the Old Testament, or they may be the prophets who, along with the New Testament apostles, were used by God to give revelation to the church prior to the completion of the New Testament. But however we take the prophets here, whether we look at them as the Old Testament prophets, or we look at them as the New Testament prophets, one thing is clear. They are being referenced here in terms of their teaching office. In other words, the New Testament apostles and prophets were the heralds of the gospel. And they were the people through whom the Holy Spirit instructed the church. And we, the believers, we become the dwelling place for God by His Spirit. Only in so far as we stand true in relation to the teachings 
of the apostles and the prophets as they bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, that is why everything that happens in the church, everything that the church uh, teaches is measured against Christ. How faithfully is the instruction flowing from Christ, His person and His work? How faithfully does the teaching stand in relation to the cornerstone who is Jesus Christ? That is why in a, in a church of Jesus Christ, teaching is critical. But not just any teaching. The proclamation of Christ, who He is, what He has done in order to make peace with the Holy God and sinners. His sin atoning that His sinner justifying resurrection. Does the church proclaim Christ faithfully or not, because it is in so far as Christ is proclaimed faithfully that we grow together as the one dwelling place of God. I realize this may sound as the preacher tooting his own horn, horn, but it isn't how important teaching ministry is. It can't be underestimated because that is what gives us identity. That is what gives us direction as body of Christ. And to sum up, the privileges of being in Christ are enormous. In Christ, we are the citizens of an unshakable kingdom. In Christ, we are the king's household. In Christ, we are God's dwelling place. And if you remember verse 17, Paul said there, and he, Jesus, came and preached peace to you. And it was an amazing thing, isn't it? Because Jesus actually never came to Ephesus. So how is Paul able to say to the Ephesian believers that Jesus came to you and preached peace to you? And of course, what Paul meant was that when the gospel is proclaimed faithfully, when the word of God is proclaimed faithfully, Jesus is present in that ministry so that you are not merely hearing the voice of a preacher but you are hearing the very voice of Jesus Christ. And indeed, the church as God's dwelling place is the place where we meet not only the Lord Jesus Christ, but the church is where we meet the triune God. Jesus is present in His Word. This is the place where we come to meet with God, this is the place where the Spirit is ministering to us, forming us and shaping us into the dwelling place of God. So let me ask you this question. What is the church? The church is where you meet with God. 
Did you know when you came to church today, this morning, did you know that you were coming to meet with God? You did. And now he invites you to his table. Now we eat with him. In Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for teaching us the wonderful privileges of being in Jesus Christ. How we can count on you to be our defense, our keeper, our Lord and our Master. How we can draw near you with confidence as children to the Father. And how we are in your presence. And not fear you, but rejoice that you have come to meet with us. And you have invited us to your feast. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray that we may continue to grow in our, in our appreciation, understanding of our privileges and our blessings. And may we learn to think of our life in Christ not merely as a duty, not merely as a sacrifice, but as one of great privilege and blessing. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.